Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. Welcome to Sword Old Baptist Church. It's so good to see all of you here worshiping with us at our Creekside service. Uh, if this is the first time that you are here, we just want to officially tell you welcome. Uh, if this is your 101st time, it's so good to see you uh, again. Uh, if you, we haven't met, uh, like Pastor Chuck said, my name is Clayton Heath, and I have the privilege of serving here uh, on our Bonnie Oaks team. Um, as our college pastor, and uh, I also serve a part uh, under our uh, small groups pastor, Pastor David Thompson, as a part of our small groups team that serves small groups for all of our campuses, both on campus and off campus. And I uh, just can't begin to tell you uh, how honored I am to be with you today. I'm honored that Pastor Chuck would uh, be so kind as to invite me uh, to be here with you. Uh, If you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to be in a couple of different spots this morning, but the first spot we're going to start is in Genesis chapter 1. Uh, Genesis is the first book of the Old Testament. It's the first book of the Bible, and you actually shouldn't even flip any pages. We should be on page one today, Uh, but we're going to hit 1 Corinthians, we're going to hit Hebrews, but we're going to start in um, Genesis, and hopefully as you came in this morning, you got one of these worship guides, and it's an opportunity for you to um, follow along and take notes. Uh, We say that it's no small thing that the God of the universe uh, speaks to us. And when he does, we want to be sure that we write down and pay attention to what he says. Uh, Like I said, I am part of the small groups team here at Silverdale, so I get to help and uh, talk with and meet small group leaders and meet people that are trying to get involved in our community. And uh, I love small groups because my life was changed in a small group. Uh, I love small groups because I met my wife in a small group. Shout out. And uh, my small group now encourages me in my faith. If you're new to our church, if, um, you know, we've had a lot of change over the last two years, people moving all over the country, people shifting and all that kind of thing. If you're new to our church, man, maybe you haven't heard our pastor say this, but our pastor says that if you have the opportunity only to listen to his weekend sermon, to come to a weekend worship service and listen to one of his sermons, or you have the time to make it to a small group, our pastor, our senior pastor says, don't pick the weekend service, go to a small group. That's an incredible thing from our senior pastor, from our lead pastor, that he doesn't want you to hear more of him. He wants you to be in community, walking alongside other believers. And so this morning, we're going to look at three different reasons for why we need Christian community. Um, The reality is, though, is that few of you need me to convince you that we need community, right? Few of you need me to discuss some sociological thesis as to why humans thrive in, in, uh, in, in community as opposed to isolation. But what many of us may need this morning are just a simple reminder, right? Reminders, we always need these things to kind of nudge us and to push us and to guide us and to direct us, to remind us of the truth that we believe. And so this morning, maybe you just need the reminder, maybe you're in a small group. And maybe that small group is just like, I don't know, just not really going well. Like you're not gelling with people. Like maybe there was a season where it was really fruitful, but now like you kind of dread going. You're on the car ride and maybe you're with your spouse or something. You're talking about, I don't even know why we're going here. Like those people's kids are crazy. I don't even know like why we're doing this, right? 
Or maybe um, you need the reminder to get into a small group, right? Maybe, maybe you were trying to, you were about to go sign up, you were gonna say, yeah, I'm in, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put myself in a vulnerable position. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna go to someone's living room and, and say, hey, this is who I am, and hey, this is what my struggles are, and hey, this is what I think about God and how he interacts with my life. But maybe, you know, COVID got in the way of that, or, or maybe you're, you're one of those transplants, right? And you moved, and man, your small group, your old church, where, wherever you came from, it was great, it was popping, you, you loved it but you just haven't really figured out how to, nothing's really quite settled here and you know, things get in the way, busyness, schedules, work, all that stuff. And you just need the reminder, hey, here's your opportunity. Or maybe you just need the reminder this morning that don't leave church. Like maybe if one more person who says that they're supposed to love you like Jesus loves you, hurts you the way that those people in your life have hurt you, uh, your heart won't be able to take it anymore. And whatever edge you may be teetering on this morning, I'm, I'm here to encourage you this morning that the, the solution is not to, to run away. It's not, it's not less community, it's, it's more community. And so this morning, just think of me as like Jeff Foxworthy. I'm like, your, here's your sign, God. Just think of me as the sign that you've been waiting for in your life from God to say, hey, what should I do? The answer is more community. If you're taking notes this morning, I encourage you to write the first point down this morning. It's that God is a community. God is a community. If you're like me, you question why we make such a big deal about Christian community. My kid's on the ball team, right? I'm a part of my HOA. I work in an office, you might say, but why Christian community? Because God is a community. The creator of the universe is in community. We believe in the Trinity, right? We here at Silverdale, Christians across time and space, we believe that, the God, that God exists in the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It is one God made up of three persons. We don't believe in one God that shows up in three different forms, that is, he changes who he is based on the situation. No, we believe in one God that has forever existed as three different persons. Confusing, I know, but it's critical that we understand, know, and believe this. How do we know this, right? Well, the Bible's full of it, but let's just look at one in Genesis chapter one, verse 26. Here, God is speaking. He says, let us make man in our image. If God is lone, singular, solitary, who's he talking to? Or just look at Jesus's words himself in John chapter 10, verse 30. Jesus says, I and the father are one. God is a community. This is important because it shows us who God is. God did not choose to reveal himself first to be ruler or first to be creator, though those two things he most certainly is. God has chosen to reveal himself as father, son, and spirit. Jesus says it in himself in John chapter uh, 17 when he says, Father, you have loved me before the foundation of the universe. Um, the theologian Michael Reeves talks about that if God was ruler first, and the problem was that I've broken the rules. The only salvation he can offer me is to forgive me and treat me as if I never broke them. Sounds okay, right? But let me see if I can put it like this. Uh, when I was 19 years old, uh, I got pulled over for speeding. And I got pulled over speeding. I was doing 53 in a 35 in Collegedale. And um, in fact, actually, I've never seen anything like this. I came over this hill and uh, the, the cop was like in front of me on the road driving. And I must have, I mean, I was probably so reckless that he literally just slammed on the brakes, 
threw it in park in the middle of the road, flipped on his lights and swung the door open to come out, right? And so he comes over to me and he's, right, he's all the things. He's angry. He's reminding me, like, I, it was reckless. It was dangerous. I, I'm, I'm aware of those things, right? I was 19, uh, 19 year old boys, literally, if you know the science, right, the, the rational decision making part of their brain literally has holes in it. So that's why 19 year olds do stuff like that. But he comes to the door, he's demanding why I'm speeding the way that I am. I bumble about how I'm on my way to my friend's house and I'm running late. We're trying to go to a Braves game in Atlanta and you know, it's not a great excuse, but he so dutifully reminds me, right, of my infraction, how irresponsible and reckless it was. But then surprisingly, he comes back and he just says, I'm gonna give you a warning. Now, was I grateful? For sure. Relieved? like the weight of a thousand pounds immediately off my chest, right? But did I love him? No. In fact, if I, would have, if I see, saw this guy today, I, I would be very quick to hide myself from him because all he did was to let me off the hook. That's what it would be like if God was ruler first. If he's ruler first, I can only feel grateful at best because he's let me off the hook. I can't love him, which ironically means I can't keep the greatest command, which is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart. But watch this. If Jesus would have said you were ruler or you were creator before the foundation of the world, it brings into the question why God would create the world. Is God just some power hungry God thirsty for the worship of his subjects? No. Because Jesus shows us that God is Father, Son, and Spirit, we know that the reason he created us is for love, to love him, to experience the love that the Father and the Son and the Spirit have for each other. And why is that important? Because God is a community. And how do we know? Because God is a community. And once we understand that, it changes the way we think about our own communities. That's really wild. Turn to the person you're sitting next to and say, oh, you should probably write this down. Yeah, because he decides for us how to live because he's God and we're not. We're not making a big deal out of small groups because some Pope back in 1200 thought it would be a good idea or decree. It's certainly not because some mega church pastor back in the 90s thought it would grow his church. Because God is who he says he is, it changes the way we live our lives. God, the Lord, is in community. And the goal of Christianity, it says in the New Testament, is to be made into the image of his son. That is to, be, to look more like Jesus. That's what we're all doing, to follow Jesus, who is God, who is in a community. God is community. The second thing I want you to write down this morning is that we are created for community. We are created for community. We just saw God say in Genesis, let us make man in our image. If God is a community, to be made in his image then is to be made for community. But look at how Paul says it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. As a believer, we are made not for singular purposes. It's popular, right, to throw around buzzwords like destiny and purpose, all with a focus on the individual. But here Paul is saying, if you're a Christ follower, you're a part of the body. And what does the body do? Well, Paul says in the same chapter that we're to suffer and to rejoice together. 
We need each other. Turn to the person you're sitting next to and say, I need you. Now turn back to that same person who told you that and say, you need me. We have to have each other. We're built for it. Uh, it's no small secret, right, that the, the, my generation and the generation behind me, Generation Z, is what um, some scholars would say uh, the most socially connected but relationally disconnected generation of all time. Since the invention of the iPhone in 2004 and the ensuing social media, never can I know more about some individual without actually knowing who they are. And this facade, this veneer of community has its side effects. Since 2004, according to the Barner Research Group, 18 to 25 year olds, when asked if anxiety has crippling effects on them, if anxiety affects their life, they, they can't go in the store, they, they can't go up to the person, overthinking prohibits involvement in activities. People agreeing with that statement is up to 85% of the group. When asked if they struggled with depression, the answer is up from 31 to 65%. When asked if they ever felt suicidal, the answer is up from 13 to 50%. Now, if you're a Christ follower and you're in community, does that mean that you're never gonna struggle with crippling anxiety or depression or be suicidal? Absolutely not. Being a follower of Jesus does not make you immune to those things. But the connection between lack of real relational community and the effect on mental illness is irrefutable. You see, Christian community is so important because inevitably we lose our way. Inevitably, life smashes against us. Inevitably, what we think our life ought look like and what our life actually look like are at odds with one another. The test result comes back and it's worse than they thought it was gonna be. The person that you were praying for doesn't get better and they, they pass away. The, the family member that you thought was gonna finally turn around seems to just be wondering further. The job that you thought was gonna pay the bills, it doesn't work out. The relationship that was supposed to be forever doesn't make it. The kids don't come back. The sense of identity leaves us. And when life smashes against us, we inevitably need someone or someones in our life to remind us of the promises of God. But Clayton, I'm not solo, man. I think that this is something that pastors who just want more money or more programming or a bigger church. This is something that they came up with. But friends, I want to direct you to the early church. And the early church by no means is a great model on how to do everything. In fact, the Bible acts as full of all of a lot of their errors that they committed. However, when you look at the early church, they, they did get some stuff right. Listen to this. Acts chapter 2 verse 46. They met house to house. Acts chapter 5 verse 42. They met house to house. Acts chapter 8, verse 3, they met house after house. Acts chapter 10, verse 22, they met in Cornelius' house. Acts chapter 12, verse 12, they're in Mary's house. Acts chapter 16, verse 32, they're in the jailer's house. Acts chapter 16, verse 40, they're in Lydia's house. Acts chapter 20, verse 20, they went house to house. Romans chapter 16, verse 5, they're in Priscilla and Aquila's house. Colossians 4, 15, they're in Nympha's house. Philemon 1 verse 2, they're in Philemon's house. Again, the early church is not the guide, the best guide on how to do everything, but it's inescapable that the success of the early church is directly tied to those following Jesus being together. Right. 
And what are they doing in those houses? Well, Acts chapter 2, verse 42 tells us, right? The breaking of bread, prayer, fellowship, and the devotion to the apostles' teaching, the Bible. Friends, we're created for community. So where does that happen now? It happens in small groups. In this room, for sure, there's to some element, to some degree, we can suffer and we can rejoice together. But it's in small groups that we weep together over the loss of a loved one. Those infertility struggles, that third miscarriage, that wayward child. But it's also in small groups we rejoice over new houses, new jobs, new babies, that family member that we've prayed for years that finally gave their life to Christ. It's where we break bread, we eat, fellowship, pray, and devote ourselves to the Bible. That doesn't just happen in this room. It, most of it can't, in fact. It happens in small groups. And it's because of those things that we find point number three. We experience God best in community. We experience God best in community. Check out the writer of Hebrews, how uh, they say it in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. What's that? Stirring up one another in love and good deeds, encouraging one another. That's exactly what Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That's the body being the body. You see, when we talk about experiencing God, some of us might furrow or some of us might have some issues because we define what it means to experience God very differently. To some, experiencing God may mean a powerful worship service, right? That, that we're singing and, and you might hear a phrase like the spirit is really moving. And thank goodness, right, that we have worship leaders at all of our campuses at Silverdale that they don't only lead us to just sing, right? But they lead us to worship Jesus. And when we do worship Jesus, mighty things happen. To others, it's the study of God's word, coming alive maybe in their life for the first time or in a new way. This past summer um, in our women's ministry, we had over 300 women meet um, on Monday nights for summer nights that studied the Bible all summer long. And to hear the, the stories of life change makes you fall in love with Jesus all over again. God's word becomes alive. Still to others, experiencing God may involve mission work, local, or domestic, or overseas. Working in orphanages, building homes, sharing the gospel, and working to make sure that Reve Revelation 7 becomes true, that every tribe, tongue, and nation, people from every tribe, tongue, and nation are in heaven. And aren't you so grateful that our church is a missions church? And we have mission partners all over our city, our country, and the world working to make heaven crowded. And to all those, I say yes and amen. Community changes our lives. If you haven't, uh, if singing on a Sunday morning is boring to you, ask the Lord to give you joy in song. If studying the word, if the, if the Bible has never come alive to you before, if you've never seen all the pieces of the puzzle fit together, join a Bible study. There's new men's and women's Bible studies starting in about six weeks here on our campus on Monday, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays. If you haven't been on a short-term mission trip or served as a small group in one of our local missions partners, jump in, like the pool is ready, waiting for you. But I'd like to mention two things. First, none of, those happen, none of those things happen alone. In this room, every week, singing, you sing with hundreds of other people. When you get 
to study the Bible together. You sit at your table and you discuss God's word and the impact it has on your life. When you sign up to go on a short-term mission trip, we send teams to our mission partners ranging from sizes of four to five people all the way up to 40 to 50 people. You can't do any of those things alone. You do them all in community. Why? Because we experience God best in community. I mention those because small groups certainly is not the only way to experience God best in the community. But I say, if you haven't sat in the living room of someone with eight or 10 or 12 or 15 other people and talked about pastor sermons, done a marriage study, done a study that traces Jesus all through the Old Testament, cried when your people cried, laughed when your people laughed, had to get interrupted by the babysitter because the new couple's kids are sewing Hot Wheels at the TV, you're missing out on my favorite way to experience God best in community. Remember what it says in Hebrews? To stir one another up. You see, when we're talking in my small group before a group discussion, and a couple mentions how they volunteer, maybe at a local charity, one of our missions partners, or maybe they signed up to serve at our church, and it stirs me up to love Jesus, to be Jesus to people in my life. When I hear that person in my group talking about what they read in the Bible that morning, man, it stirs me up to get in the Word, to see Jesus in a different way. When I see that couple in my small group and how he treats his wife, how he loves her, how he cares for her, he's always watching out for her, and it stirs me up to love my own wife. When I hear how that one person in my group loves someone in their life that was unlovely, Unfortunately, friends, it stirs me up to go love people in my life that are unlovely. And we hear the lies, right? Here we've laid out that God has for us community. If we had more time, we'd look at how through generation, uh, Genesis through Revelation, we could see how the Bible speaks about this. But there's, that there's joy, that there's love, that there's grace, that there's acceptance. That's what God has for us. So you've already thought, I'd love to join a small group. But my kid has that practice, right? We've got that travel team, that club, that dance recital, that play. But friends, what are we communicating if Jesus is something we try and jam in our schedules around everything else? We're not here playing church. If the way I view God is will I have time around my schedule to fit him in on my terms, we're losing that battle. Or maybe this has popped into your head. I'd love a group but I'm tired of getting hurt by other Christians. I'm tired of getting hurt, backstabs, disappointed by people who are supposed to be there for me, but people who are supposed to be my people. The first thing is like, I, I am so sorry. That, that, that is never fun, it's never easy. It doesn't get easier. But two weeks ago, our pastor preached on the story in the Bible and the gospels where Jesus comes to a layman who'd been lame for 38 years, right? He's laying outside the pool in Bethesda and Jesus comes to him and he says, do you wanna get well? Listen, if, if our mat is that we're sitting on is that people have hurt me in the past, we're not wanting to get well. If I had a dollar for every time someone in one of my small groups said something that disappointed me or hurt me, man, I'd have a lot of dollars but I'm not gonna let Satan rob from me what God has for me. And God has for me community. God has for me joy. God has for me acceptance. God has for me sharing each other's burdens. God has for me the one another commands of scripture. He has me experiencing him. All this came to a head for me uh, when I was a sophomore in college. I was out uh, at college uh, doing all the things that you wish your kid didn't do when they go to college. 
I was uh, not walking with Jesus. I was not following Jesus. Uh, but then Jesus changed my life. Uh, I was driving down the road, I-40, and Jesus spoke to me in a way um, that he probably like had never had before. And when God speaks, something always changes. It's how we know if God actually speaks or not. And about everything in my life started to change. I broke up with the girl that I was dating. I, um, I stopped returning the calls from my friends, going to the parties that we were getting invited to. So all of a sudden, I'm, I got no girlfriend, I got no friends. I sit in my apartment alone pretty much every night. Mind you, I'm trying to follow Jesus. I'm trying to do what I feel like he's asking me to do. I'm lonely, I'm depressed, and I don't know what to do. On the drive, when Jesus changed my life, I affectionately referred to as my Damascus Road experience. Like one of the things that I felt Jesus speak to me is just, Clayton, there's more. Clayton, there's more. There's more plans for you. There's more life for you. There's more joy for you. There's more for you. And several weeks later, when I was sitting in my apartment one night alone, it was like I felt the Lord say that to me again. Clayton, there's more. There's more to Christianity than this. There's more to, to life than this. There's more joy. And so the next week, I went back to the church that I had sporadically attended over the last little bit, and I signed up for a small group. And it was a motley crew, let me tell you, okay? There was a guy in there that like kept pet chickens. Like he didn't keep them for the eggs, like he just liked them as pets. There was a self-professed uh, karaoke killer, which apparently meant that he was just like really, really good at karaoke. And uh, there was a girl whose dream it was to open up, quote, like the dopest laser arcade you've ever seen. <laughs> but those are my people, right? But uh, Richard and Amanda were the couple that led that small group and they opened up their home. They were a young married couple that opened up their home to, to college students. And over the next few months, they made space for me. They invited me. They welcomed me. They invited me over for dinner. They invited me to their kids' t-ball games. And I experienced God in those three months in a way that has left an unmistakable mark in my life. I experienced God in a way I never had before. So while after that I moved home, I met my wife Sophie in a small group. A few months after that, we actually start a small group with two of our other friends that ended up hosting. And since that time, we've multiplied and we've sent out people to start six other new small groups in our church. And now this picture, I think we have a picture is me and some of the guys in our small group. These are my guys. This is when my guy Revney got baptized earlier this year. This is the pretty Instagram photo, right? But this one is my favorite one right here. This one is us in our living room on Tuesday nights together, stirring up one another in love and good deeds. And we do it, why? Because we experience God best in community. So my challenge to you today, there's more. There's more to the Christian life. There's more than rolling in on Sunday morning and being vaguely familiar with the people who are on your row. There's more than rolling in kind of two wheels, dropping off the kids with kids ministry, kind of knowing the girl who does checkout. There's more than having to face the bad news alone. There's more, more. There's life 
There's community, there's togetherness. There's the sharing of burdens, suffering together, rejoicing together. So every reason you've thought of over the last 25 or so minutes, it might be a good reason, but it's not a better reason than the fact that God is a community, we were created for it, and it's where we experience him best in our lives. Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we love you. We are so thankful for who you are and for what you've done for us. God, we're thankful that you are God and that we are not. God, we're thankful that you don't ask us to do something that uh, you don't do. You don't, you're not telling us to be a part of a community because you're not in one or it's what we should do. You're in the communities. We, we wanna be more like you. So Jesus, this morning, as um, lots of lies have come from the enemy, um, Satan always has isolation for us. You have community for us. And so, God, would you protect us from the schemes of the evil one? Would you replace the lies that we're hearing about busyness and people not accepting us with the truth? that we are a child of God, we just sing it. And Holy Spirit, would you open our eyes, would you open our ears, would you prick our hearts to see you in a more beautiful, magnificent, majestic way. We give this morning to you, we give you all the praise and glory. We put all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, well, what we're gonna do is, next is sing a song of response. And the reason that we do that is because every time that God's word is presented, um, something happens. We, we have to respond to what God has said. And when God speaks to us and we pray that God spoke to you this morning, we wanna respond in obedience. And so this morning, maybe there's like, you know, there's the nudge to get into community, right? And there's gonna be people outside in the lobby. I'm gonna be out there to help you get connected to a small group. But maybe this morning, this, this week, this month, like we talked about, life is just like smashed against what you thought life was gonna look like. There's gonna be pastors and encouragers here up at the front to pay, pray with you about whatever needs you may have. This, friends, is the portion that happens in this room about suffering and rejoicing together. Whatever is going on in your heart, the important part is that you respond in obedience to what God has asked you. So would you stand together this morning as we continue to worship? Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a six-week sermon series called Jesus in the Midst. John chapter 13 and 14 record Jesus's final words to his disciples in the upper room. They are about to enter the darkest moment in history and Jesus shares with them the essentials of what they need to walk through them. You know, the things they needed in the midst of their darkest hour are the same things we need in ours. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses or online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. Lastly, there are so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing at Silverdale. We really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on all our different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, We appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.